Like, you lose your house. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. I declare bankruptcy! Sorry that we've been um, AFK. Is that is that it? AFK. Or we haven't been around (laughs) here for like over a month. Yes. Sorry about that. We had a good Christmas break, and then (laughs) you know there was like getting sick and forgetting and stuff going on. Life. Life. <laughs> Life was going on, and we're sorry, yes. but we're back. We're back, and we're gonna be doing it full time again. Woohoo! All yeah. right. So, so what has happened in the past two and a half months for you? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Well. Okay. So now I have a new job. Mm-hmm. I start February twenty first after Family Day holiday. Um, I'm ex- it's a, another daycare, but they pay me for sick days. They pay me bi-weekly. I get benefits. So it's way better than where I am now. Uh, like, I learned a lot where I am now, but I just need to move on from them because I don't like the once-a-month pay, and they don't pay me for sick days there. So Yeah, yeah once-a-month is brutal. Oh. Like, just, like, how well you have to manage money. <laughs> just rather not I'd rather go you know mm-hmm. get money every two weeks yeah so as soon as she said that I was like oh yeah yeah money 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 okay. <laughs> so yeah I'm I hope I'm like wondering if I'll get sick as much there like maybe they're like more cleaner there I don't know like I'm in the nursery room there so it's like not gonna be it's gonna be different like new people new environment it's yeah. a very like high class daycare they provide me scrubs and all that holy so yeah I'm excited I hope I don't get as sick I actually have like a sore throat oh I no will, every <laughs> night since like Friday or Thursday I've been getting a sore throat and every morning I wake up with a sore throat and I want to see my mom this weekend. I wanted to see her today, but I was mm-hmm. like, you have no immune system. So yeah. Maybe like, I don't know what to have because my coworker had bronchitis and oh, yeah. I just like, just am in scared. Case. Just in case. It just, it drives me insane always getting sick. Um, what else is new? Oh, Willow's five. Woohoo! Her birthday was February 3rd. Aww. Yeah. She's getting older. It kind of makes me sad. Yeah. But. I gave her toys. And yeah. and she doesn't know what day it is. It's fine. Yeah. Like, why am I getting extra treats? She she's a happy dog. Yeah. She's spoiled. What about you? What's up? What's um, you? I have I got a kitten in December, mm-hmm. and his name is Milo. So another addition to our family, and I just really wanted to get another cat because um I know I'm gonna be going to work soon. Yay. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I just knew I was going to be going to work and I really felt bad for Ark because I've been like home pretty much the whole year and like he's known someone to always be there. And I know it's just a cat, but I don't want him to be lonely. So we got him another 
boyfriend and they hated each other we introduced each other and he arc literally pissed all over me like i was like there's there's pee on me there's pee on me (laughs) so he was like super scared to meet milo but they finally are amazing together they are so cute i witnessed adorable yeah and then um I haven't been working still, but I am planning to go to work this month and do a shutdown. So that should be a lot of fun. I haven't worked in almost a year, though. So I'm going to be serious? so sore. Yeah, I That's stopped crazy. working in like, I think June or, yeah, June. Yeah, after Newfoundland. Trip. Yeah. That's crazy. Time so, flies. yeah, I was just taking a little time a nice off. Break. Yeah, I, I get that opportunity because of my job and everything. And it, it is a lot of part time work. So, I don't know. It was just really nice to have this time off. And I've been very fortunate to not run into a lot of financial problems while I was off. Because, you know, usually when you're not working, all the bad things start happening. Your car starts sounding weird. And, you know, the fridge breaks. I don't know. But instead, you <laughs> gave me a mini fridge and you got a cat. So. Yeah. <laughs> you gave me a TV. Yeah. How is that TV? We haven't. I've uh, cleaned it and I we haven't found a shelf yet. So we haven't set it up yet. So if you guys have a nice, like, five foot shelf, I would love it. I would gladly pay for it. Not asking for free. <laughs> But, yeah, other than that, my life's pretty boring, you know? Same. I just work, sleep, eat. See each other. (laughs) I've been really, like, I've been going to the gym after work because I'm, like, going through this health kick Mm -hmm. phase. Um, So, yeah, that's tiring, though. Yeah, I believe it. And then, oh, me and Phil now, we split, like, days because Phil was, like, not walking Willow. And I was like, boy. (laughs) <laughs> you need to walk her because I am trying to go to the gym and I can't yeah. go to the gym and then walk her after and then mm-hmm. cook dinner and then mm-hmm. do the dishes. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, walk her Mondays, Wednesdays. I'll walk her Tuesday, Thursdays, Fridays. We take a break and Saturdays we'll walk her together. And he was like, deal. And he's been That's so good. Perfect. For a weekend. I like that. I like that. That's a really good I was like, this plan. is how you show me how you'll be with our kid and change mm-hmm. diapers, right? Yeah. <laughs> he does a lot for her you get monday i'll get tuesday (laughs) i like i loved walking her and he knew i did so i think he just always like was like oh yeah have fun walking her yeah i'm like okay i'm tired of it yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i know um i was actually asked a question they're like oh why didn't you take uh b uh my other cat that lives at my parents but she's always been like an outside cat so it wouldn't be fair to her to bring her to an apartment and just like cage her in you know and i feel like an adult cat with another adult cat's harder to yeah, a lot harder yeah they're just along. very stubborn in their ways so like <laughs> i don't know like and they're like well why don't you walk and it's like <laughs> why wouldn't i walk a cat well that's the reason i got a cat so yeah. i don't have to walk a cat <laughs> it is so funny jade sent me this uh picture over messenger and it was like why i don't have a dog because you have to walk your dog in the winter and then yeah. your cat's just inside and in yeah nice and warm in the cat bed. so true like i walk a little every night in the winter yeah yeah and a lot of people don't do that they'll just let the dog go in the backyard or take the dog out for a pee and right back into the apartment i so. find it so mean because yeah. honestly you guys like you are your whole pets dogs world yes and imagine you being inside like 
all day. Yeah, and then or just backyard. play with the toys. Yeah. Just play with the toys. Like, that gives her the opportunity to smell different things. That gives her the exercise she needs. Oh, that yeah. gives her the social skills so that yeah. she's not just around the same people and then when she meets other people she's aggressive like, exercise is key for like healthy joints when they're older especially huskies yeah. <laughs> you know you oh don't want to tore up couch like you're wondering why oh my dog's so bad i need to get rid of her it's like are you giving her the exercise that she needs yeah. to burn off that energy yeah, exactly. the reason why she's wrecking stuff is because she's mad at you because you leave her alone all yeah. day and then you don't she's entertaining herself yeah, exactly <laughs> like people are stupid pet owners yeah. sometimes but seriously you guys start walking your dogs every day because that's literally like 10 minutes around the block at least just to get started like i walk willow like probably 20 30 minutes every day mm-hmm. it's like just like 20 minutes out of my day like yeah i've been working all day she's been in the house you just need to take her outside it's, yeah. not, it's not that high just do it yeah i exactly. know it's winter and it's cold but just do it and it's good for you too yeah Mental health, yeah walking. there you go <laughs> fresh air anyways that's it for our lives, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Arxy Oh yeah. Oh that's that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, yeah, no, just about my cats. <laughs> that that's my life right now. Same here. Your dog. My dogs. <laughs> but let's we are gonna do a true crime yeah. episode today. To get back into it. Um, because we do that once a month. We haven't been here for like forever so let's do a game i think we are going to do our explain a film plot badly (laughs) um i'll go first all right so try and guess the movie to the plot i am describing Mm -hmm. an elderly man abducts a young overweight asian boy to replace his dead wife up yes Yes! (laughs) all right a guy that's alone in the forest kisses a dead body while seven other guys watch. Oh, God. <gasps> Snow White! Yes! Snow yes! White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> okay, man plays virtual reality Smurf game. Virtual reality? Oh, um, um, Avatar! Yes! yes! Okay. Man gets steroids and a uh, frisbee to fight off Nazis. A man gets steroids and a frisbee to fight off Nazis. I don't know. Captain America. Oh! (laughs) That's so funny. Okay, rich girl lets poor man freeze to death. Titanic? Yes! Ah! Okay. Man saves woman from drowning. Woman doesn't return the favor. Man saves. Oh, Titanic! Yes! <laughs> that is amazing. How did we do that? I don't know. A man in makeup trolls a city to annoy a billionaire. Billionaire. A man in. Um, Batman. Yes. Yes, the Joker. Ooh, I'm good at this. You are good. I'm at good this. at this. I'm gonna give myself a pat on 100%. the back. <laughs> do you have any more? No, that's it. Okay, I have one more. Woman murders woman for a pair of sparkly shoes. Uh, we're off to see the wizard. Dorothy! Okay, there we go. Yeah. What is that? Is it called Dorothy the or Wizard, wizard of Oz? Of Oz. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. I, I had to sing the song for her. We're off to see the wizard. Yeah. 100%, so. Jade. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, now we're going to do our true crime stories. Ooh. You want to go first? Sure. 
So mine you kind of probably heard of before. I know I've heard of it, but I never did any more research into it. So mm -hmm. this is the Slenderman Killers. Mm -hmm. The the girls that uh, betrayed their friend. But this, okay, so <laughs> I told my mom that I was going to be doing this on the podcast tonight. And she's like, oh, where did it happen? And I was just like, I didn't write that down. <laughs> so when I got to Taylor's, I quickly wrote it down. So it happened in Wisconsin. USA. All right. Their friendship started in fourth grade. Peyton uh, felt sorry for a quiet, lonely girl who was always sitting by herself in the school cafeteria. Everyone deserves at least one friend, Peyton thought. As she approached Morgan, that's just who Peyton was, always thinking about other people. She was so sweet, kind, and caring. And already had a lot of friends, but when she noticed that Morgan was having a difficult time making friends, she took it upon herself to be Morgan's friend. The two girls immediately became best friends. They hung out together, had sleepovers, and they did all the normal things that girls did their age. Morgan was always laughing and making jokes and even gave Peyton a sweet nickname, Bella. For the next two years, the girls were inseparable, but when they were in sixth grade, a new girl, Anise, Anissa, sorry, I looked up her name beforehand and I like played it on YouTube a hundred times. So I really tried to pronounce her name right, but Anissa entered the picture. Anise lived, Anissa lived in the same apartment complex as Morgan and they both became friends. And that's when things started taking a dark turn. Anissa and, Mor Anissa and Morgan soon found out that they had a lot more in common and they also started pushing Peyton to the side. They also discovered a video game, Slenderman, and had become obsessed with it and believed he was real. Peyton was not, mu not so much into the video game and found the character weird and scary, but since she wanted to feel included, she played too. The two girls obsessed over Slenderman and went on for a while, and they started to become paranoid saying Slenderman was coming for them. This made Peyton really uncomfortable, and at some point, she asked her mom if Slenderman was real, and she was super relieved when her mom told her he was not. In May 2014, Morgan's 12th birthday had rolled around, and the girls were super excited about the slumber party at Morgan's house. They started off with skating then they had some pizza and some frozen yogurt everything was going well and nothing seemed to be out of place morgan's mom remembered all three of them running around up and down the halls giggling all night the next morning the girls woke up very early and decided to go to the park but when they got there anisa anisa suggested that they take a walk into the woods and play hide and seek so Peyton innocently followed her two friends to the woods, and when Anissa asked her to lie on the ground, she did. That's what. That's where everything changed. As soon as she got down, Morgan pounced on top of Peyton and started attacking her with a kitchen blade. 
Peyton screamed in agony, begging Morgan to stop, but Peyton just carried on. When she finally stopped, Peyton tried to get up, but a niece pushed her down to the ground, telling her to lay still because the blood would come out slower. The two girls left her there, saying they were going to go get help, but never did. Peyton then had to struggle through the forest so that she could be more out in the open. She walked till she found a patch of grass and collapsed. Fortunately, a cyclist happened to be riding by and saw Peyton laying in the grass with blood all over her. All over her clothes, he called 911 and offered her some water. When the police and paramedics arrived, they were shocked at this critical state that Peyton was in, but she could still talk and told them that her friends did this to her. Peyton was rushed to the hospital and right into surgery. Peyton had been stabbed 19 times, oh and the two of those strikes had hit major organs, including her liver, and one almost went through her heart and missed a major artery by a whisker. While Peyton was fighting for her life, the two assailants were off on a crazy mission to go find the house where Slenderman supposedly lived. By the time the police had caught up with them, they had walked five hours and were almost out of the city. They, they had still had the bloody clothes on from the morning, and the police found the knife they used in their bag. They were both unbothered by the situation and told the police that they were planning this for months they, and they that they did it for Slenderman. They also told the police that they planned to do it in her sleep at the slumber party but changed their minds. The second plan involved taking Peyton to the park and ambushing her there while in the bathroom. They wanted a place where the blood would drain. This didn't work out, so they finally settled on the woods. So in the interview, the detective asked, uh, do you feel bad for stabbing your friend? Morgan replied, I just decided that remorse would get me nowhere. It's easier to live without regret. So this is like a child saying this. How old are they again? Um, 15, I'm pretty sure. I didn't. No. Morgan's 12th birthday. 12. Oh, 12. God. Sorry. Both had trials in adult court with first degree attempted homicide. Before the trial, though, they were both found to be insane and was not found guilty for reason of insanity. Both pleaded <laughs> guilty. Anissa was sent to a mental institution for a maximum of 25 years, with the first three being in solitary confinement. Morgan was sent to a mental institution of a maximum of 40 years or more, depending on her psychiatric evaluation. Anissa was released in 2021, but she will be under state supervision until the age of 37. Ooh, I don't trust that. Okay, so I just want to add in that when I watch this, um, they show that um, Morgan and Anissa, Anissa in like the interrogation room, and they have cameras on them, obviously, just for recording the confessions and anything in the interviews that they missed. 
and Morgan was getting up and she was dancing around and like she even asked one time she was like um is she dead and then the cop was like I don't know like we'll we'll have to wait and see and she's like what oh I was just asking I was just wondering like they didn't care whatsoever and the worst part is is that Morgan and Peyton were the friends to begin with and it's like so if Morgan was really okay with her best friend Peyton and then out of nowhere a niece shows up and makes Morgan do this don't you think that a niece should have got more time yeah Anissa sorry so I I didn't know that she was stabbed that many times I honestly thought she died when I heard so that stop, yeah, she's alive. She does interviews, and she says it's really hard for her to make friends now. Oh yeah, I would that's say so. Issues, but yeah, that's my story on the Slenderman girls. I liked it. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I heard of it too, but I didn't. I thought she was dead. The girl yeah, too, and... yeah. Like I heard that they were luring their friend into the woods, and that they stabbed her multiple times, and like when you hear stab multiple times you think that person's dead so it was not cool but it was cool to go back and like i guess yeah just find out that she was okay and alive and like just find out the rest of the story and i wonder if they regret it now as they're older well it did say that morgan had like schizophrenia mm. and like she had all these other like anisia had um she had um, bipolar. No, it wasn't bipolar. It was what happens when um, soldiers PTSD. Oh, from P what? Yeah, she had PTSD, and that's what they say. She's not mentally okay to stand trial. So, so they're both out right now. Well, no, Morgan's not because she did the stabbing. Morgan did the stabbing. Morgan did the stabbing, and that was her friend to begin with, and then a niece pushed her back to the ground and then they both left her wow yeah so anisa anisa's out that's kind of scary it is like i feel like she was definitely the the little bug in the ear mm -hmm. saying do it, well that's do why it, she was just it, watching her yeah exactly it. it's like she mind was control like if you knew that morgan had a, a hard time um being able to know what's real and what's not and then feeding into it being like slender man's real slender man's real you know mm -hmm. like to a crazy person if she was schizophrenic or bipolar or whatever she was if she was that it would be really hard for her to deny it you know mm -hmm. so i think anisa should have got more time or equal time mm, me too even if she didn't do the stabbing, she was a part of it. She wasn't going to go get help for her. I don't like how they word it as they're not guilty because they're in a mental hospital. Yeah, they, like they both plead guilty, but they can't go to jail because they weren't in the right state of mind. So they've been in a mental hospital since they were 12. Mm-hmm. Wow, that would just make a kid more crazy, I think. Mm-hmm. Especially giving them solitary confinement like they've already been through so much and you think like separating them and they're in like a room yeah you think that would make them more crazy you know yeah. i don't know i i don't know how <laughs> is it like the movies in the hospitals i don't know yeah exactly that. exactly okay so my story is called the case of oh sorry it's not called the case of 
Um, it, my story is called The Murder of Kenya Mom. So I watched the documentary, but I'm just going to tell the story because if I told you how I watched it, we'd be done in five minutes. Okay. <laughs> a young woman stands in the entryway of a nightclub in the early hours of the morning. She is intoxicated and has wandered off away from her friends, now finding herself alone outside. Her phone, purse, and keys are still sitting on the table inside the club. Being Denver in April, there is a chill in the air, and all she has on is a light jacket over a short dress and a pair of heels. She just wants to go home and go to sleep. When Amanda is up and asks her if she needs help, she is quick to accept. In his early 30s, he is clean cut with a wide, charming smile. His teeth are perfectly straight and white. It's clear that he takes pride in his appearance. He also looks as though he's genuinely concerned for her welfare. He is just a friendly stranger, a good Samaritan looking to do a good deed. She thinks to herself. Plus, as the warm buzz from the alcohol is beginning to fade, she's starting to feel the cold, so she gratefully climbs inside the vehicle. No one would ever see her alive again. Kenya Mong was not one to back down in the face of adversity. Born January 26, 1992 in Honduras, Kenya's mother Maria was just 15 when she gave birth to her. In April of 1993, when Kenya was just a little over a year old, Maria left Honduras for the United States, leaving Kenya with her mother, Kenya's grandmother. It was no doubt the hardest thing Maria have ever done, but in, at 16, she was still a child herself. Moving to an all-new country and navigating life there was difficult enough without a baby. She was doing what was best for Kenya. Maria loved her daughter more than anything, and all she ever wanted for Kenya was to come live with her in America permanently. In 1994, Maria met a man named Anthony Tony Lee. They fell in love, married, and had two children of their own, Kimberly and Anthony. In 2004, when Kenya was 12, she moved to the United States. It was Maria's dream come true. Her family was finally whole. Kenya spoke very little English when she first arrived, but she was a fast learner and never let it hold her back. To Maria's delight, Tony loved Kenya like she was his own daughter. It was just a matter of weeks after Kenya moved in her new home that she began calling Tony dad. Kenya immediately bonded with her half-siblings, particularly Kim. The two became instant best friends. Everything just felt perfect. The Mongley family lived in Aurora, Colorado, located directly east of Denver. As of 2019, Aurora had a population of 380,000. It is the third largest city in Colorado, known as the Gateway to the Rockies. Having spent her childhood in Honduras, a country where poverty is widespread and opportunities are few and far between. When Kenya came to the United States, she never took anything for granted. She was determined to embrace all her new country had to offer. She excelled in her classes at Cherry Creek High School. On graduating, she began attending a local college in Denver where she studied broadcast broadcasting. By this point, she had moved out of her family home and was living in an apartment with her boyfriend, Louis Easton. Not only was Kenya highly intelligent, she was extremely kind and caring. She made friends easily. Thanks to her warm and fun-loving personality, she had an active social life, but also enjoyed relaxing at home with her family. Kenya had already achieved so much in her short life, she was ready to take on the world. Everyone around her could see she was going places. At 19, Kenya and her friends were not of legal drinking age, so they used fake ideas, fake IDs to gain entry to the bars and clubs in downtown Denver. Kenya's father, Tony Lee, said that he and her mother, Maria, did not know that Kenya and her friends had fake IDs and were using them to get into clubs. 
They had always viewed their daughter as responsible. She had never been in trouble with the law, but parents don't know everything about their children. Kenya was, after all, still a teenager, and it's a short of ex- and it's a sort of expected that teens will rebel a little, or a lot in some cases. Kenya and her friends made plans to go out to the evening of March 31st, 2011. They eventually ended up at the 24K Lounge in downtown, downtown Denver. As the night progressed, they became very drunk. Kenya was just 4'11 and weighed between 90 and 115 pounds. So it did not take much for her to feel the effects of alcohol. I read differ, differing reports about how Kenya ended up outside the club, including that she told her friend she was going to the bathroom and never returned to the table. I also read that she was kicked out for being too drunk. Either way, she ended up outside on her own without her purse, keys, or phone, which were sitting on the table with her friends inside the club. I would assume that her friends looked for her, but when they had no luck, they just thought she made her own way home or bumped into someone she knew and went off with them. However, something I could not figure out was how there were not serious alarm bells going off when they realized she had just left without her personal belongings. Don't, don't. She would normally have on her person at all times. Kenya's family would find out the following day that she had not spent the night with her usual group of friends, but rather two girls she was not as close with. The family had never met these girls before. Kenya had never gone a night out with them, so they did not really know each other's nightclub behavior. For example, if it was normal for Kenya to just wander off on her own. On the morning of Friday, April 1st, Kenya's boyfriend, Louis, became worried when he realized Kenya had not come home the night before. There were no calls or messages on his phone from her either. She had been on plenty of nights out and always made it back to their apartment. If she didn't, he was sure that she would have let him know where she was going. Sounding the alarm, Lewis called Kenya's sister, Kim, asking if she had seen or heard anything from Kenya. Kim replied that she had not. He told her that she needed to talk to her parents right away and find out if they heard anything. Kim called her parents, telling them that Kenya had not come home last night. Both Tony and Maria rushed home from work right away. They called everybody they could think of who might have an idea of where Kenya was. According to her close group of friends she usually went out with, Kenya had spent the night with her other friends and they had not seen her all night before. That afternoon, the two friends Kenya had been out with came to the Mong Lee home. Tony, Maria, and Kim were frantic, hurling questions after question at the girls about what happened the night before. To Tony and Maria's dismay, they admitted that they had used fake IDs to get into the 24K nightclub. The last time they saw Kenya was just after midnight, they added. The girls also brought along Kenya's purse with her phone, keys, and wallet inside, which they explained she had left on the table at the club. At that, Tony, Maria, and Kim felt their hearts sink. Kenya going anywhere without her phone was unheard of. There was no doubt in their minds that something was seriously wrong. There was a mysterious message on her phone that Tony found. Hey, this is Travis, the guy who gave you a ride last night. White creepy van, smiley face. Did you get home okay? The text message had come from a number that was not saved on Kenya's phone. Tony, who had discovered the message, felt a jolt of adrenaline. This was huge. Travis, whoever he was, might know where Kenya's whereabouts are. He called the number repeatedly, but nobody answered. Frustrated and overcome with worry, Tony and Maria made the decision to file a missing persons report, but when Tony explained the situation, the officer on the line dismissive and unsympathetic, telling him that that she would probably turn up soon. Besides, they could not file a report until she had been missing for 72 hours.
The following day, Saturday, April 2nd, Travis, who Tony had been trying to get in touch with, finally called back. He relayed to Tony an elaborate story about how he had seen Kenya on the street outside 24K talking to a homeless man at around 2.30 a.m. He asked her if she needed help, and she said yes, she needed to get her car, which was parked at another club. Kenya was very drunk, Travis told Tony, so he offered to give Kenya a ride to her car. Given she had left her car keys at 24K and how intoxicated she was, I'm not sure what she would have done when she got to her car, but anyway. They drove to the nightclub, couldn't find her car, so Travis offered to give her a ride home. She told him where she lived, the apartment she shared with her boyfriend, and he said it was super close to the bakery where he rented a workspace, so he knew it well. He began driving in that direction, but then Kenya said she wanted to buy cigarettes, except she didn't have any money, so they stopped at a Conoco gas station. However, the station was closed. Then Kenya saw an Asian man standing nearby smoking, who Travis referred to as Dan. Kenya approached Dan and he gave her a cigarette. They smoked and were speaking to each other in Spanish. Then they walked off together. That was the last time he saw her, Travis told Tony. Tony was pretty suspicious of Travis, Travis's outlandish story, but he thanked him for the information. Once again, Tony called the police, telling them that he had spoken to this man, Travis, who told him that Kenya had wandered off with some guy she met at a gas station in the middle of the night. He pleaded with them to file a missing persons report, but they still refused because it had not been long enough. Understandably, Tony was upset at the lack of concern. He called Travis again and began grilling him. Travis suggested that he and Tony meet up at the Conoco gas station where he had last seen Kenya. Tony agreed, saying he could be there right away. On hanging up the phone, Tony went and grabbed his 9mm handgun. Maria asked what he was doing. Tony explained that he was going to meet with Travis at the gas station. The police were not helping, so he had to take matters into his own hands. Maria's mind began racing. She did not like this at all. Her husband was going to meet this mysterious man whom they knew nothing about. He could be dangerous, and he was bringing his gun. What if his emotions overcame him and he did something irrational? Maria begged him not to go. He had no choice, he, he told her. Then he was gone. Maria was so worried, she called the police, telling them where Tony was going and that he was carrying a gun. This is legal, just in case you're wondering. Colorado is an open carry state. They agreed to send an officer to the Conco gas station where Tony and Travis planned to meet in case the things go out of hand. When Tony arrived, the police officer was already there, as well as Travis and a friend he had brought along. He had, parked in his, he had parked his white van and came over to talk to Tony. He gave the same account he had given on the phone to Tony earlier that day. He, Travis, and Kenya had sat in his van at, in the gas station parking lot after he asked him to stop. After she asked him to stop so she could buy cigarettes, she was very upset, so he tried to teach her breathing exercises to calm her down. When she saw a man walking by, by smoking, Dan, she got out of Travis's van and asked for a cigarette. Then the two walked away together. Tony studied Travis as he spoke. He seemed genuine and trustworthy. From his appearance, Tony did not get the feeling that he was some sort of hardened criminal. Then again, what is a hardened criminal supposed to look like, right? But his story just sounded off. Tony could not imagine Kenya just wandering off with some man she met at a gas station in the middle of the night. The police officer also thought the story sounded strange. He asked that Tony give him and Travis some privacy while he asked a few more questions. While the officer spoke to Travis, Tony walked in the direction of Travis's van. As he got closer, he was hit with an overwhelming smell of bleach. This really threw him off. 
He took the officer aside and told him about the odor emanating from the van. The officer approached the van and experienced the same thing, an intense chemical smell he could not ignore. Also, they didn't say this, but when I watched the video, Tony left his handgun in his car glove box. So, oh, like, okay. he wouldn't have gotten in trouble anyways, really. Nothing would have happened. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, before I continue with the story, I'm going to go back and briefly look at Travis Forbes' criminal history, which is pretty extensive. Um, in 2011, Travis was a 31-year-old. When he was 17, he was charged with breaking into 16 different homes and businesses in Fort Collins. CEO stealing over $15,000 worth of cash and goods. When police searched his room, they discovered pairs of women's underwear, which had oh been vandalized. God. They were ripped, and the letter M had been written on them in black marker and pen. Travis M. was... Yeah, M. Travis was convicted on two counts of felony burglary and sentenced nine years in prison, but instead of going to prison, he was in order to enroll in a military camp, according to court junkie. However, he spent less than two months at the camp before being kicked out. He was then placed on probation. In 1998, he was arrested for criminal harassment while still on probation. In 1999, he was caught carrying a knife, violating his probation once again. He broke his curfew 43 times. This resulted in him being sentenced to the community corrections. He was charged with assault in 2004 for throwing rocks at a woman jogging in Highlands Ranch. Uh, Highlands Ranch CO. He pleaded guilty to the leisure charge of harassment involving physical force and went to jail for one month. I couldn't find when this was exactly, but Travis also told Nine News Denver that he used to be a drug addict and would steal Demerol from dentist's office. He was convicted of Berkeley and spent three years in prison. At the time Kenya disappeared, he was on probation for a domestic violence charge. Oh my God. And this is what he looks like. A normal guy. Yeah. Real charming though, hey? Kinda. Yeah. Yeah, it was a very nice jawline. Yeah. For a hardened <laughs> criminal. Denver homicide detective Louis Estrada spoke of how Travis's criminal history was one which started with re- relatively minor offenses and progressed into more violent crime. If it started with burglary theft and moved on to harassment assault, said Estrada, it started to get a little more uh, severe every time. Estrada believed that the violence gave Travis thrills. Two of his ex-girlfriends described him as a as going through a sort of transformation when engaging in sexual role-playing. He had this real screeching look on his face. Estrada said he really enjoyed the pain he inflicted on them. I'm not sure what screeching means in this context. So Travis did not have a great track record. What sticks out to me is the stolen woman's underwear found in his room, which is never a sign of anything good. Plus, his pelting rocks at random women indicates a resentment. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's not That's not wrong. Of Furthermore, he does not appear to be someone who learns from his mistakes, having broken in his curfew, curfew 43 times, but then again, it's more likely he just didn't care. Now back to Kenya's case. The police officer at the gas station asked Travis if he could take a look inside his van. Travis agreed to let him do so. On opening the back door of the vehicle, he revealed an absolutely spotless interior complete with a brand new carpeting. But the front of the van around the driver and passenger seats was a complete mess of food wrappers and other garbage strewn everywhere. The officer found this suspicious, but it was not reason enough to hold him. Travis agreed to write out his statement from the night Kenya disappeared. As they were about to leave, Travis approached Tony once more. He began 
blubbering like a baby and apologizing to Tony, saying that he wished he had followed her on what he started. Tony thanked him for his help and put out his hand for a handshake. When Travis took it, however, his hand was shaking violently. According to Tony, it was there and then that he just knew Travis was the last person to see Kenya alive. After 72 hours had passed, which to Kenya's family felt more like a month, the investigation into her disappearance began on Monday, April 4th. Kenya's family and friends spent the preceding days handing out missing person flyers and searching everywhere they could think of. There were posters everywhere you looked. Kenya's disappearance affected so many, the entire community was in state of shock. Leading the investigation was Denver Police Detective Nash Gerlu, Gerul, sorry, of the Missing Person and Exploited Persons Unit. Detective Estrada was there to assist where it too became a homicide investigation. On April 5th, Surveillance footage of Travis Forbes was given to the detectives by the owner of Derby's Bakery and Cafe, Monica Pohl. The footage was from April 1st. The bakery located on S. Trenlon Way in Aurora was where Travis rented a space to bake his gluten-free granola bars for his business. The bars were called Four Beats, and he sold them to the other businesses in the area. On April 6th, Travis was brought into the Denver police station for a formal interview. He repeated repeated the story he told Tony and the police officer when they met at the gas station on April 2nd. After he left the Conoco gas station, he said he went to his girlfriend, Carrie Humphrey's home, arriving between 3 and 3.30 a.m. He said he left for work at 8.30 a.m. on April 1st. When detectives examined Travis's phone records, however, they revealed that he was nowhere near Carrie Humphrey's home. This would be the first time they caught him in a lie. Detectives were not feeling good at this point about the prospects of finding Kenya alive. On April 8th, Denver Police spokesman Matthew Murray commented on the severity of the situation. Uh, we got lots of missing cases. No one thinks this girl ran away. We reasonably believe that what took place was not good. We were very concerned. Um, very concerned <laughs> after 72 hours. Right. Monica Pohl, the owner of Derby's Bakery, had a wealth of information regarding Travis Forbes that she was eager to tell the detectives. She told them that she was dismayed when she went into the bakery on the morning of April 2nd and realized her surveillance cameras had been turned off. She checked the recordings, and the one right before the cameras were turned off showed Travis alone in the bakery at around 7.30 p.m. on April 1st. She could see he was wearing a long latex cleaning gloves. Despite... What Travis had said to detectives about leaving his girlfriend's home for work on April 1st, he was not actually scheduled to come into the bakery that day, Monica told them. Detectives viewed the footage from before the cameras were turned off. It showed Travis rolling a cart with a large white cooler on top into the walk-in freezer in the bakery. The cooler had been duct taped shut. He was caught on the film carrying a roll of carpet into the bakery. Next, he walked back out to his van, holding what appeared to be a bottle of bleach. He then turned off the surveillance cameras. Here's a picture of him. Oh, my God. You know, when you first started reading the story and Travis started telling his story, I honestly had shivers go all the way through my legs, all the way up my back. And every time he tells that story and you read it out and, like, it just gives me this weird vibe. Really? And, like, how, how is that supposed to happen, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just... People know. Yeah. People know. Uh, 
Detectives interviewed other business owners in the buildings surrounding Derby's. One man told them he had seen a 55-gallon barrel being burned by two men behind Derby's bakery later in the evening of April 1st, and a white and a white van was parked nearby. He added, on the afternoon of April 2nd, another business owner told detectives he had seen Travis cleaning a large white cooler in the back of his van, which was parked behind the bakery. When Monica asked Travis what he had been burning, he told her it was marijuana that had gotten moldy. <laughs> yeah, okay. He explained that he turned the cameras off because he was going to change his clothes. He lies all the time, she told the detectives. She also noticed that he had a gash on his arm, which he said was a result of being attacked by a homeless man hmm. that had slept in his van. The same homeless guy that walked off with uh, Kenya. Kenya. Kenya's case was all over every news channel in Colorado, as well as making headlines out of state. Travis Forbes, who clearly thought himself to be a pretty good actor, seemed to be enjoying giving interviews to the media. It's pretty sickening watching him act like a concerned citizen. You can hear this interview with Nine News on the Court Junkie episode. Unfortunately, I couldn't find the clip out here. He's very emotional in the interview, going over all the things he could have done in relation to his made-up story about Kenya going off with the strange man. Um, I'll actually show you this video right now. It's actually like, so when you watch the video... He he nods yes but says no, and the detectives were like, "That's a like a sign oh people are lying." Yeah, because like you're doing Since it instinctively. Just let me ask you this: Did you do something with her? No. Did you kidnap her? No. Did you sexually assault her? I did not. Did you murder her? I did not. <gasps> did you murder her? I did not. Oh my God! He does. He does. He does like a circle. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's like, I did not. Oh my God! I know. That's okay. disgusting. And then after he like starts crying, he's like, "I feel bad oh that I let God. her go off with that guy." him smoke a cigarette yeah he's the true hero here he really should have done more you know he shouldn't have killed her yeah that's my assumption sorry <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> jump the gun so after he like um he flees to texas despite suspicions mounting against him travis fled the state i believe this was about a month after kenny's disappearance so late april early may Monica Pohl, owner of Derby's Bakery, recalled that in addition of behaving suspiciously on the surveillance footage, Travis also said and did some bizarre things the weeks following Kenny's disappearance. He approached her asking if she wanted to buy $1,000 worth of oats for $100 and ended up selling them for $50. Then he started muttering about how he would have to change his name and leave the country because that girl ruined my life. Not, not long after this exchange, Travis got in his friend's car and drove to Austin, Texas. Detectives continued to scrutinize every detail of Travis's story. The fact that he just disappeared did not really help his case either. No. Innocent people don't tend to make a run for it when investigation begins heating up. They questioned Travis's girlfriend, Carrie Humphrey, whom Travis said he had been with between 3 a.m. and 8.30. She confirmed his story. But remember how I mentioned earlier that the detectives obtained Travis's phone records and they showed that he was not, in fact, anywhere near Carrie's home at this time. He was actually in kinsburg in a tiny rural town about 40 miles northwest of denver while in kinsburg detectives found that he had made several calls uh police would search kinsburg 15 times over the five months that followed they searched on foot horseback and used helicopters while they were technically still searching for a living person they unfortunately knew they also had to search ditches and waterways for human remains nothing ever came of these searches despite how thoroughly they were conducted 
On May 4th, after leaving Colorado in his girl in his friend's car, Travis is arrested in Austin, Texas on suspicion of car theft. <laughs> Detective Guru flew to Austin where he met Travis in a police station. He interviewed him for three hours about everything their investigation had turned up so far, particularly this van's footage from the bakery. He just explained everything away. When asked about what he was burning in the barrel on the night of April 1st, Travis gave uh, Guru the same answer he had given Monica Cole, moldy marijuana. Um, he can keep his uh, lie straight, I have to say that. Once back in Colorado, Travis went to live in Fort Collins, his hometown, with his father. Fort Collins is home to Colorado State University, so it was not the sort of place detectives wanted Travis living. Concerning they suspected him of murdering a female college student, however, Denver detectives were surveilling Travis Forbes. They followed him when he went out to the bars and nightclubs and witnessed him being stopped by Fort Collins police. I believe this was on July 1st. He was very drunk, yelling and making a nuisance of himself. The Denver detectives approached the Fort Collins police, explained to them who Travis was and why they were surveilling him. After being stopped by the police that first night, Travis seemed to calm down. Denver detectives could not justify continuing to surveil him when he was not making trouble. So after three nights, they ended their surveillance. This was one decision the Denver detectives would regret for the remainder of their careers. This is the point in the story that for me points to Travis being a sadist with a very real and dangerous compulsion to hurt women. Homicide detective Estrada would later say he has this inner evil, this demon, he can't control it. On July 4th, a mere four days after arriving back in Colorado, Travis went out on the hunt in downtown Fort Collins. I say it's on the hunt because he was literally prowling around looking for a woman to viciously attack. Lydia Tillman, who was 30 at the time, was originally from Longmount, Colorado. She had been working in New York as a sommelier, I don't know what that is, mm. for six years, before moving back to Colorado at the beginning of 2011. This is, this is Lydia. That July 4th, Lydia was walking home after watching the fireworks display in downtown Fort Collins. Being new to the area, she didn't know many people. Once the fireworks were finished, she began walking home to her apartment. She did not know she was being followed. She came back to her hometown because her dad had cancer. I think she was in oh like, my God. yeah. Um, Travis Forbes pushed Lydia into her apartment where he raped and strangled her. He then beat her, punching her repeatedly in the face, smashing her jaw and causing severe head trauma. Lydia fought back hard, kicking and scratching him, but he was physically stronger and far larger than she was. She eventually stopped fighting him and lay still. Before he left, he doused her naked body with bleach. <gasps> then he set the apartment on fire. Oh my God. Something in Lydia, an innate instinct to survive forced her up from where she lay so badly beaten and bloodied. She had to get out. She threw herself out the window of her second-story apartment, oh escaping from the flames. By the time she jumped, firefighters, police, and an ambulance were at the scene. Having responded to a report of the blaze, Lydia was transported to the hospital. Lydia was asked by paramedics if she knew the man who attacked her. She replied that she did not. Devastatingly, shortly after arriving at the hospital, she suffered a stroke. She was in a coma for five weeks. Oh, my God. Bleach had been spread throughout the apartment before it was set on fire, so police had nothing to work with in terms of finding forensic evidence. 
However, investigators were able to collect microscopic DNA under Lydia's fingernails. So that means she was fighting hard. Thank God. This was sent to the lab for analysis. On July 7th, Fort Collins detective Jacqueline Shackley, who was leading the investigation into the attack on Lydia, got in touch with Detective Gurulu, asking about the suspicious man Denver detectives have been surveilling in Fort Collins on July 1st. Shackley explained how, after examining the details in both cases, she thought the same person who attacked Lydia could be responsible for Kenya Long's disappearance. There was silence on the other end of the phone. Shackley said this was almost so freakishly similar. It had to be the same guy. All the bleach and like. Mm-hmm. Detective Guru Lu, I cannot say his last name, was convinced that Lydia's attack was the work of Travis Forbes. The detail with the bleach in the apartment caught his attention in particular. I said, you know, it sounds like him. He likes bleach. This is his thing. Everyone was on edge in the days following the attack on Lydia. Detectives were really close to catching the guy. However, Travis was once again being surveilled by officers from both Fort Collins and Denver. He spent his evenings downtown, not going into bars, but just stalking the streets and leering at women. In the early hours of July 10th, officers watched as Travis spoke to women for a good 30 minutes. When they began walking off together, an officer approached Travis and began asking him questions, visibly nervous. He told the officers that his name was Travis Kennedy. He did not give an ID, a phone number, and he couldn't remember his address, he told the officer. By that point, the woman Travis had been talking to was long gone. They had to let him go. Then Travis reappeared about 20 minutes later, having changed his t-shirt and put on a hat. Now he was following another woman who was visibly drunk. This was a disaster just waiting to happen. They needed to get him off the streets. At around 3 a.m., they arrested him for lying about his name to the police. They did not mention that he was suspected of the attack on Lydia Tillman. They were only holding him for a misdemeanor, and he would easily be able to make bond. At 10.45 p.m. on July 11th, Travis was literally minutes away from posting bond. But for Nesnik, investigators had been working tirelessly to analyze the DNA found under Lydia's fingernails. They compared it to the sample Gurulu had taken from Travis while he was being held in Austin on the car theft charges. It was a match. Around midnight on July 12, Travis was rebooked at the jail in Fort Collins on suspicious of attempted murder, sexual assault, and arson. From here, everything began to happen really fast. It was not until August 26 that Gurulu went to Fort Collins to interview Travis in jail. He wanted as solid a case as possible against him for Kenya's disappearance. We want to have a strong case, a case that we know that when we get into a courtroom, the jury is going to say, this guy killed her. This guy did this, Gurulu said. But as it turned out, Gurulu did not need to spend all day this time preparing himself for the interview. Travis made it very easy for the detectives. I'll tell you everything, but I want a deal, Travis said to Gurulu. I'm sorry if I'm saying his last name wrong. <laughs> he told Gurulu exactly what happened in early morning hours of April 1st. In return, he asked that he not go to prison, labeled as a sex offender, and prosecutors not pursue the death penalty against him. Because if I go to prison as a sex offender, I'm fucked, he said. (laughs) Travis' account of what happened is as follows. He and a friend had seen Kenya alone near the 24K club talking to a homeless man and asked her if she needed help getting home. They tried to get her a cab in her boyfriend's apartment, but they couldn't find one. So the three of them got into Travis's van. Travis dropped his friend off at his apartment. Then Kenya passed out in the van. Travis pulled over and climbed on top of her, trying to rape her, but she woke up and began fighting him, so he strangled her to death. 
He placed her body in the cooler he had in his van, duct taped it shut, and then he put the cooler in the freezer at Debbie's Bakery until he figured out where he would bury her. He decided on Kinsburg, where he dug a shallow grave under a grove of cottonwood trees near Interstate 76. On returning to the bakery, Travis cleaned the inside of his van with leech and burned everything Kenya had touched in the 55-gallon barrel. On September 7th, Travis, his attorney, and detectives Gurula Estrada and Shackley went to the Kinsburg so Travis could show them where Kenya's grave was. When they arrived, he became visibly emotional, breaking down in tears. The grave was about four feet deep. She was in fetal position, covered in plastic tarp. Um, as they drove back to Fort Collins, Travis said, Gurulu, are you happy, Nash? Are you happy you found her? Are you happy you got her? He also told him, like, right up to his face, he was like, you just wouldn't give up, would you? <laughs> well, yeah, it's his job. And the detective was like, nope. Oh, my, oh my God. God. I'm out of breath reading this. But, yeah, so he's in jail now. Um... Yeah, he's in jail, sentenced to murder and all that. And the girl that survived, she couldn't talk. She couldn't talk because of her stroke and everything. So her dad, who had cancer, had to read her read her statement to him in court. And it was um, she just basically said like she forgives him. He didn't touch her soul, her spirit, and anything. So that was like good for her. And then because of her, they found Kenya. And- Oh my god. She's like a yoga teacher now and she wow. like lives life to the fullest. She's just starting to talk like again. Wow. Not now, but like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Years. So yeah, for it, sure. Like her talking now is still kinda hard. Yeah. But yeah, she went through a lot wow. and she survived. Wow, that was crazy. It was a little long, but <laughs> No, no, it was really good. Like yeah, no, it just gave me, like, every time he said something, it would give me shivers or something. Like, it just didn't feel right, you know? Oh, yeah. And, like, it's sad because people should be forgiven if, you know, you did this thing. Like, let's say I shoplift. I get charged. Let's say I got 30 days in jail, you know? That's my second time getting caught, you know? I can go to jail, figure out my life. I don't want to be in here, but he was okay to go going to jail or he was just going to get parole. So he was just going to get probation. Just another few more years of probation mm-hmm. where he has to meet up with someone, you know, like they didn't take it seriously. They... And I'm just really pissed about the 72 hours thing. And I didn't take that seriously, but you know, there's protocols and everything, but when you come in with compelling evidence that she went off with someone, that she doesn't do this, yes, she might have been drinking, but 72 hours, really? You really had to wait that long? I know. And I bet those officers feel terrible ending their surveillance, but then again, protocol. Right. Because there is a lot of people that go missing, like people that, like, yeah, for sure. They run away or do something like that or whatever they do. Yeah. But I mean, she was dead that night. Yeah. So it wouldn't have helped. Yeah. But still. Yeah. That, like, to wait, what, April 1st? She was called missing, and then April 4th is when they started the investigation. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, they didn't find her body till years after. So you don't get. You don't get to have your baby come home and say goodbye to her properly. You don't know. Like, you always have that little bit. 
well, maybe she is alive, you know, like maybe he didn't do it, you know, maybe he just sex trafficked her somewhere. Like, obviously that's not a best case scenario, but she'd be alive, you know? Some of these, like, I just couldn't imagine, like, that girl getting her jaw broke and, like, fighting for her life and then just, like, having the shame to come out the window with, like, your ribs broken, your, like, oh my god i couldn't imagine like would i be able to have the strength like you gotta be a strong person to do that 100 to just not give up to just yeah like why not let the fire take me he took everything from me already you know he ruined my life right here but then again you think maybe i can get him back Mm -hmm. so wow she is a very strong woman you don't know until you're in that situation but I feel like if I was in something like that, I I, I wouldn't be able to just, you know, not do anything. I, w- mm-hmm. I would have to fight and I would probably die in a situation then, then let that happen to me, you know? Yeah, no, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I found which, by 2013, she was really, she really began to get her life back working part-time doing yoga, some travel driving and living on her own. In May 2013, she un- underwent jaw surgery and she assists the Arvada, Colorado Police Department in teaching women self-defense. Wow. So good for wow. her. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's good that came out of it, that he didn't take away something from her. He didn't, you know, like, yes, he violated her, but that's just surface She level. more, like, gained stuff. Like, she yeah. found who he... Like, she's the reason they found Kenya. Yeah. And she's, the like, now she's teaching women self-defense. Yeah. So, like, she's, like, doing a lot more Yeah, now. for sure. That's amazing. Yeah. So, that was a very good story. Yeah. It was, like, a happy ending. Sad yeah. Happy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kenya's sister, when, like, she went to go hug Lydia, she said she felt her sister through her. Aww. Like, she couldn't let go. Aww. So, it was really sweet. I bet Kenya was with her, like just like yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm free. Thank you Set for yeah. Like yeah. Being strong and telling your side of the story mm-hmm. and getting this man behind bars. But me, Kenya's sorry. parents now are now like advocates for young kids like drinking, like to be safe and underage and yeah. careful of date rape because they believe that Kenya was date raped when they saw their sur- the surveillance video. Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell if it was drunk or date rape, but like who knows? Yeah. But yeah, so be careful out there, guys. It's just disgusting to think about. He texted the boyfriend. He didn't have to get himself involved. He could have just walked away. He could have walked away from the situation, but he wanted to be the hero. He mm-hmm. wanted to be that guy in the middle of the investigation. He wanted to be an important guy. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, yeah, he's he definitely like her. a sociopath or whatever. I thought about that after. I was like, wow, he literally is a psycho. He yeah. texted her knowing he strangled yeah. her and put her in a freezer. Yeah. He texted laughing, her. Laughing, laughing. Yeah. Disgusting. I just thought about that. Disgusting. Because he knew someone would read it. 100%. What a freak. Like, why would you do that? That makes no sense. Why would you incriminate yourself like that? Why would you involve yourself in the in the investigation? Because they have to. They have this ego with them. And like, he would have never even been a suspect if he didn't like, text her. May- maybe if they're the 
the the people in the bakery were like, oh yeah, that's kind of weird that he's doing that, but he could easily explain it away being like, oh, I work here and, you know, I was just here late, you know, I don't usually work here late, but you could have easily explained that away. And yet he wanted to be a part of the investigation. Oh yeah, because even doing that stupid interview, mm-hmm. even the police are real confused. They're like, we don't know why he'd want to do that interview, but his whole body language, yeah. the way he nodded yes but said no was yeah. like, he's lying. Yeah. And then- and- and they do that too where they fire off so many questions like boom 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 so that you don't have time to think and that probably helps them too Mm -hmm. like i just hope he never gets out and that they did put sexual assault on his file and that people know you get what you deserve you don't think oh it's not right it's not right that uh, it should be a secret. He should be kept in protective custody. No, get what you deserve. Yeah. You put that out in the world, you're going to get it back. Unfortunately, he didn't get the death penalty and he didn't get the sex offender on his own. Uh, oh my God. Because they wanted him to tell them where Kenya was. There you go. So we got they, that out of it. But... Yeah. So they get to say goodbye to their girl. Yeah. So I think I'd do the same deal. Obviously, you want to know where, like, the missing body is. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure, I'd want to know. Like, if that was my child, I I would make that deal for sure. Just to have them back. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, they're dead, but that's not fair for her to be in a shallow grave somewhere, unmarked, never remembered. So because he didn't want to be named a sex offender in jail, is that because people in jail are mean to you if they know you, like, are a rapist and stuff? Yeah, because, like... If you get a sex offender charge, that could be molestation of a child, that could be rape, that could be soliciting um, a prostitute, having sex with a prostitute, that's also a sex offender charge. So, yes, people can look into it and, like, research it more, but I don't know, like, raping a woman, I don't think they're really too big on that. It's mostly on, like, children children and and stuff. Yeah, wow, what a crazy story. Yeah, so that was our true crime, you guys. We hope you enjoyed it. Let's uh, finish this off with uh, happiness. Yeah, let's let's bring it back. Yeah, let's bring it back. Your mine was such a quick. <laughs> I know. Story. I, was <laughs> I was just like, okay, I I I need to do better. <laughs> no, no, no. But I did a quote of the day. Oh yeah, we forgot to do that. So, if you cannot do great things, do small things in a great way. And when I saw this, it like really hit me because I was just like, I always compare myself to other people that I graduated with, you know? Oh, yeah. Like some people already have a kid. Some people are married. Some people are buying a house. And I just have to think of myself as I'm in a situation where I've been really sick and like not knowing what to do and just wanting time off and whatever. So I just have to remember that I'm taking my baby steps. I don't have to buy a house <laughs> right now. I don't have to buy a house ever if I really wanted to. It's, I don't know, just social exactly. standards. So you just have to do the small things for yourself. You don't have to do it for other people. And like yeah. <laughs> getting older, you know, like I'm not saying I'm more wiser than what I was a year ago or even five years ago but I feel like I've learned a lot and the world is more opened up to me and that I can do little things like do this podcast Mm -hmm. go see my mom and dad every Mm -hmm. every week so that you know you just have a closer bond and everything Mm -hmm. so those little things 
growing relationships is what I'm focusing on. Mm-hmm. So those little things will butterfly out to better things, I think. That that really like just hit me now because I'm so bad for that comparing. Yeah. This is like what you know you just gotta go back to no. Yeah. This is what I want. This is what I'm happy not with. Not what if this? Yeah. What if that? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I don't know. That just that's what it pulls for me for that quote is that you just really compare yourself to other people. You do. And like now that I'm not working and everything, I see a lot of stuff on Facebook. But when I was working, everyone either had a house or they were paying a mortgage and they're like, oh, you rent. Oh, you rent. It's like, I'm sorry that the market's not great. I'm sorry I'm not buying a house Mm -hmm. and putting myself in a situation where I can't pay my mortgage. Mm -hmm. If I don't pay my rent, it's, yeah, it's bad for my credit, but it's not going to, you know, kick me out right away. Mm -hmm. Like you lose your house. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> the office. <laughs> no, for real. That that's a good quote. Yeah. Because I've like so bad for that, and I'm like working on it because mm-hmm. so I just think, small things. Just yeah. focus on the small things. Focus on what really makes you happy, and I hope this gives you a little feel good moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm you're happy. you're doing great where you are. You're doing great where you are. Yeah. All right. And I have this totally, we haven't done this in forever, but excuse me for my singing, but you have to guess either the song (laughs) or artist, but I'll give you both points if you guess both. Okay. All right. Somebody once (laughs) told me the world is going to roll me. I ain't the chef. I don't know what it's called. Keep singing it. You'll remember it. With a finger in the shape of an L on your forehead. Well, then, 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 don't stop coming. Hands are running. What's it called? All Star by Smash Mouth. Yes, I knew that. I knew that. Well, if anyone got that, please comment. And way before me. They yeah, way you sang it, me. and then you're like, all right, I've lost it. Yeah, I don't know where I am. But for our last game, um, I have um, movie lines, and you have to guess the movie title. Okay. All right, for my last game. Yes. Then I've all right. It. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Home Alone. <laughs> Yes, correct. A, Animal House, B, Home Alone, or C, Lethal Weapon. Taylor got it correct. Ding, ding. (laughs) All right. Do or do not, there is no try. A, Star Wars, B, Karate Kid, C, Rush Hour. Do or do not, there is no try. Karate Kid? No, Star Wars. Damn. Yoda. That's why I didn't know it. <laughs> Don't watch that. All right. And my last one. English, motherfucker. <laughs> Do you speak it? <laughs> A, Snakes on a Plane. B, Deep Blue Sea. Or C, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Yes, correct. That's one of my favorite Quentin Tarantino movies. It's 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 weird, but I like it. I like it. It's just yeah, it's weird. It's Random. it has so many amazing actors in mm-hmm. it. I don't know, but yeah, there is some weird scenes in it. Yeah, 
<laughs> Big Bubba. I don't like that part. Yeah, I know. Makes you feel so uncomfortable. Yeah, sad. I know. And then the like dog guy <laughs> in the leather suit. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't watched it, please do. Mm-hmm. It does have some um very mature content. So this is not PG-13. for this is not a family. I would say 18 plus. Oh, yeah. Let's, I don't know why I said PG-13. <laughs> but, yes, if you haven't seen it, please do, because this is one of my favorite Quentin Tarantino movies. Pulp oh, Fiction. Okay. My game is this or that. Jade. This or that. Three arms or three legs. Ooh. Um, mm, three arms. I'd be a better scaffolder for it. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd do three arms. But I mean, more could kids. you run faster with three legs? Or would you just trip more? I think it'd just be in the way. Yeah. For a yeah. lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where would the third leg be? <laughs> uh, play or musical? Mm, like to watch or mm-hmm. be in? To watch. Uh, to watch. I guess a musical. Yeah. yeah. Aquarium or zoo? Zoo. Zoo too. Mm. I feel bad for the aquarium fish. <laughs> but um, not the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, movie theater or arcade? Ooh. Movie theater. Popcorn. I don't know. I had a really bad experience last time in a movie theater. Me and Sam went to see it too. And these girls, like a group of friends came in, it was mostly girls, and they came in and sat right next to us. And they were just laughing the whole time. The one friend was trying to sleep during the movie. And it was just like, I was like, um, can you not? And she's like, hun, actually. And I was like, you call me hun, you call me anything like that. Girl, I would have beat her for you. I know. I was like, I should have just walked out and demanded my money back. Like, and who like, are you calling they, me? They had the ushers come twice and say, if you don't stop this, like, you're going to get kicked out. So the second time, they should have already been kicked wow. out. You're ruining the movie oh, for yeah. everyone else. That's and never happened to me. Everyone was saying, like, could you not? Yeah. And it was just super annoying. Oh, so my God. I don't know. I think I'd rather arcade. But when we went to the arcade, it was really crowded. So... Go to, well, we go movie theater next, it'll be better. Yeah. Yeah, it's only one bad experience. Yeah. Movie theater, sure. Spontaneous trip or planned trip? Planned trip. Uh, I think spontaneous. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a planner. <laughs> My mom would be like, yes, yes. Oh, the Meryl Street meme where she's going, woo. Yeah. That's my mom going, yes. <laughs> Flower garden, vegetable garden. Clean bathroom, clean kitchen. I care more about a clean kitchen. Clean kitchen, yeah. yeah. How often I clean my kitchen to my bathroom, I will not disclose. (laughs) (laughs) Right, me too. Vacuum or mop? Vacuum. Me too. Yeah. Dishes or laundry? Laundry. I'd rather do laundry. Mm, You get breaks. Yeah, I'd rather do laundry. You can watch TV while you do it. Yeah, exactly. Dress or skirt? Mm, yeah i have more dresses than skirts tv show or movie Mm, movie movie video game or board game Mm, board game yeah i think board game for me too rice or bread all right um hmm. i I, I guess bread (laughs) yeah bread like i i I like rice rice, though no more sushi 
I love rice, actually. But I love bread. Like, are we talking about, like, like dough for pizza? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm going to have to go with bread, then. No, yeah, I'm going to go with bread. Yeah, I'll go with bread, too. Fruit or veggie? Mmm, fruit. Mmm, veggie. Oh, I'm a sweet, sweet, mm. yeah. Pancake or waffle? Waffle. Me, too. Because then you get the little, the little bowl yeah. of syrup. Baked potato, mashed potato. Ooh. Baked. Oh yeah, because you can dress up a baked potato, but mm. mashed it. I. <laughs> you love mash. When I went to camp, literally every single night, I was getting like I'd go up to the the buffet line and like they'd be like, okay, I'll get the meat, whatever the meat was. So it'd be chicken, beef, whatever, and I'd always get the meat, and then I'd get a vegetable, and then I was like, mashed potatoes. No, there's two. Every single night. <laughs> That's yeah. Funny. I have a funny question for you. What? I saw this on um, Chris something, and he's a, a YouTuber, but he always asks people if they poop, uh, if they wipe sitting down or standing up. Who the fuck wipes standing up? <laughs> Me! What? You're lying. Stop. Like, you Stop. sit down and wipe. I don't understand this. He agrees with me. He's like, you have to stand up. To Wait, get, like... when you poop? No, no. Not when you wipe. Not when you poop. <laughs> no, after you poop, you wipe standing up? Yeah, like, you kind of, like, it's like a, a get up. And you, like, you're not fully standing. Like, I'm not fully, like, straight <laughs> standing. I'm like, I'm like. Like kind of standing. Like okay. my knees are bent and like. I mean, I've done that before, but right now I think I just sit. A and lot I le- of people tell me that, and they tell me I'm weird for that. So. Yeah. I I've done it before. I know what you're saying. Yeah. But I think it's like the certain toilets. Like I if they're too I've high. I've always done it. I've always done it. What do I do? I go up a bit. But you don't like actually lift off. You have to lift, or else like you'll. You won't be able to get in there. That's what I thought. So, yeah. So, like, I, okay. like. When yeah. you first said it, I was, like, straight standing. Straight standing? <laughs> like, you need to be spread. Yeah. Then I do the splits afterwards. <laughs> and then, then I go to town. Listen. No. Bidet all the way. Yeah. <laughs> Please send us one. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I would love a bidet. Uh, but, yeah. I thought that was um, something to ask. So, please. Tell us in the comments. <laughs> what do you stand? Do in? you stand straight when you wipe your ass? <laughs> no, I don't stand straight, but yeah, I do stand up. There was this podcast I was listening to, and this guy was like, "Do you catch your poop? <gasps> like what? what? When like he catches his poop before it drops <gasps> in the paper? Oh and my he's, god! He's like, wait, do y'all not do that? And then the girl's like, no. What? <laughs> oh my god! I know, like, a lot of people would, like, go to, the, like, the side, and they, like, lean to one side and then wipe. Yeah, I've leaned, too. I've yeah. done all of it. No, yeah. <laughs> You're a jack of all wipes. Yeah, exactly. Yes, please. I want to know. Am I weird? Am I the only one? We're gonna go now. Yeah. This is just getting nonsense. Yeah, this, this was great. This Thanks was... for listening this long if you stayed for this long. And we'll please be back comment. in two weeks. Two weeks. We're still doing the two week thing. <laughs> next, next Tuesday. Yeah. See you next, next Tuesday. You better be ready. Because we're coming out. <laughs>
Anyways, don't forget to follow, like, share, subscribe. Shoot us a comment or two. Yes, please. We'd love to hear from you. Maybe we'll start reading out some comments. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, y'all. Y'all. <laughs> okay, A. We'll see you in the next in one. In the next one. Have a good night. We love you guys. And stay, stay chatty. chatty.